Hey, Spotify, real quick, before we get started, please make sure to follow us right here on Spotify. You might have to click my name, Bob Enyart, to see the follow button. Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. Welcome to Bob and Yart Live. I'm the pastor of Denver Bible Church. So much happening in the news. We do want to get to the racist woman protesting with Black Lives Matter in New York City who threw an incendiary device, a weapon, a firebomb, a Molotov cocktail at a police van, had four policemen in it, broke the window, set the van on fire. She was arrested. And in order to try to ameliorate her own guilt, she blamed a black guy. She lied. She said, well, a black guy handed me this Molotov cocktail, so what could I do? I threw it. And thankfully, the police intercepted a note sent to her by one of her white friends. Now, the woman, Samantha Shader, and her white friend, Timothy Ammerman, They were both arrested, and she could do 20 years in jail. But it turns out he sent her a note basically apologizing for giving her this Molotov cocktail. And she did exactly what Susan Smith did. Remember that racist who killed her own children? And she said a black guy did it. Remember that? That's racism. And so here's this woman, a white woman, protesting on behalf of Black Lives Matter, And she's a racist blaming a black guy for her crime so that she would be perhaps punished less severely. So we've long pointed out that leftists are brimming with racism, brimming with racism. And that's one example. So we want to get to that. But we do need to continue what we began last week, our audio from a highly respected Christian defender of the faith, Greg Kokel. In fact, Greg Kokel, he's been involved with the Summit Ministries down in Manitou Springs, outside of Colorado Springs, where Focus on the Family is. And so, you know, it's been in the news the past few days that a Christian conservative leader, Mike Adams, was found dead in his home, I think on Friday. And tragically, It looks like he may have committed suicide, and Mike was hated, absolutely hated by the left, and especially intensifying in the last few months and this year. So a real tragedy, what happened with Mike Adams, and it just dawned on me this very moment that Greg Kokel probably knows and is grieving for Mike in his family, as we are. But we aired audio from Greg Kokel on his program, Stand to Reason, now two weeks ago and from about 12 years ago, arguing that he is a moral relativist. As a Christian leader, a biblical apologist, sadly, his morality drifts. It changes with the times. And rather than defending his moral statements... He's making the argument that he can't be a moral relativist because he disagrees with what that is when you look at the 
dictionary definition of it. So Greg emailed me last weekend the same defense he used a dozen years ago. And I've now heard that on his own program, Stand to Reason, he has taken up our accusation and again defended himself along the same lines. So I haven't yet listened to his response, but I will get to it. But first, we need to complete what we promised last week after hearing Greg affirm from just this month that some homosexual couples are fabulous and why it's good for homosexuals to be able to adopt children. I said that then we would go back to the 2008 Republican primary and air audio from Greg back then when I was on the radio with him on the East Coast. And then, too, I called him a moral relativist for advocating that Christians support mass-murdering pro-abortion politicians, whether it be back then John McCain, Mitt Romney, or at the time it was extreme pro-abort Rudy Giuliani, who we were mostly talking about. So Greg's defense is that he cannot be a moral relativist because moral relativists openly claim that there is no single moral standard, but that morality is relative. Well, that's an admitted moral relativist. But then there are the hundreds of millions of human beings who change their views on morality with the blowing of the wind. And they are, like Greg Kokel, effectively relativist. Donald Trump, then, isn't a socialist because he says he's not. And if you read him the definition of socialism, he rejects it, but he does aggressively support socialist policies. If you say you reject socialism, that doesn't mean you're not a socialist. If you say you reject racism, that doesn't mean you're not a racist. Jesus warns about this. It's called hypocrisy. Someone can say, like Greg Kokel does, I reject moral relativism, which is the belief that moral judgments cannot be absolute, but only relative to one position or another. But that person is then a hypocrite and guilty of moral relativism if they shift their moral positions from one standard to another, and that's typically done to follow the culture. Christian leaders have been doing this for decades. You know, with homosexuals, for example, Christian leaders were against homosexuals adopting children before they were for it. And they were against all abortion before Billy Graham wrote that it's okay to abort handicapped children. And they were against the legalization of pornography until Dr. James Dobson of Focus on the Family advocated regulating pornography when he was on the President's Commission on Pornography. So if you say you disagree with moral relativism, you can still be a moral relativist if you allow your moral judgments to flow with the changing times. So now let's go back to 2007 on Truth Talk Live with Stu Epperson and Greg Kokel and me, Bob Inyart. So, Stu, a good way to lay this out is to ask Greg, what if Rudy Giuliani is the Republican nominee? Should Christians support someone like Rudy Giuliani? 
Okay. Okay. Uh, Greg, you, yeah, are, are, you okay? are you okay with that to start the ground rules? Yeah, that's okay. fine. Sure. Okay. I don't mind answer, answering okay, that. Uh, stipulating that you have two candidates uh, that are in the running, a uh, Republican and a Democrat. Uh, the Republican is Rudy Giuliani. I presume in this scenario it's most likely that the de- Democrat is going to be uh, either Mrs. Clinton or someone worse with regards to our concerns. Um, then the the outcome is going to be one of those two people. The fact of the matter is, if you have a third-party candidate, it's going to split the ticket, and the other party is going to go. So given those are my two choices... Stop the tape, um, stop the always... tape. Of course, when Jesus was given two choices, A or B, he would say C, because he's not trapped. He's an adult. He's an adult. He's responsible for his choices. So in Germany, when Christians were voting in the 1930s and the two parties that got the most votes in their districts were the Nazis and the Marxists, are you going to vote for Hitler or Stalin? Well, it's effectively a two-party system. How about 2,000 years ago, Pontius Pilate or Herod, King Herod? So there were religious leaders who were pragmatists and they called themselves the Herodians, even though Herod was a murderer, still they thought they would be better off if they supported him than they would be without him as a buffer between them and the raw, wicked Roman Empire and Pontius Pilate. Jesus did not speak fondly of the Herodians. You don't do evil that good might come of it. And if your choice is between Hitler and Stalin and you say, well, it's one or the other. Who am I going to support? You've already sinned. You've already sinned by not knowing God's word and not leaning on him. In the Old Testament, we're studying the book of Jeremiah right now. And the Jews would depend on Egypt for their security instead of trusting God. There is no difference with these fundamental moral issues from then till today. And the other party is going to go. So given those are my two choices, um, it is always the morally sound thing to do to choose the lesser of the two evils, if you want to put it in, those t- in that way, or possibly the greater of two goods, rather than do nothing and let the greater evil or the lesser good prevail. Stop and the so- tape. Stop the tape. Notice the conflation. When you try to defend something that's immoral, that's indefensible in truth, then you will end up typically affirming even greater evils than the one you're defending. And so conflating good with evil, the lesser of two evils or the greater of two goods. In other words, these evils, I'm going to call them goods because I'm going to end up supporting one. And I don't feel really comfortable admitting that I'm supporting evil. I'm going to support the Nazis and Adolf Hitler, because they're probably going to kill fewer civilians than the Marxists in the Soviet Union. So I'm going to support the Nazis. There's no bottom to that abyss, and it leads people to make the most corrupt moral judgments. Of two goods, rather than do nothing and let the greater evil or the lesser good prevail. And so that's the kind of ethical thinking that informs my uh, that informs okay. my position on this issue. And thank okay, Bobby you. Yard, please respond. Yeah, Greg, thank you for being so clear. What that is is called situational ethics, moral relativism. 
Christians should not support mass murderers. I know that today, in the age of National Right to Life and J. Seculo, Christians are confused, but we have a standard that comes from God, and part of that tells us that Christians should not support mass murderers. We have the entire theme of most of the Old Testament from Exodus through the prophets. Stop Josh- the tape. Stop the tape. When I mentioned situational ethics, right? that's when instead of judging by some absolute moral standard, you take into account the particular context. So whereas most Christians would probably generally say you should not support a mass murderer, certainly when he admits to you his policies, he's a mass murderer, you shouldn't support him. Oh, but wait, take into account the particular context. He's running for office, and he's a member of my party, and I believe my party is better than the other party. So in that situation, when it's A or B, I have to choose A or B. You know that because it says in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt never not vote. And so therefore, it's a good thing for me to support and admit it an unrepentant mass murderer. Most of the Old Testament from Exodus through the prophets, Joshua and Judges, where God's people would not trust him, they wouldn't obey him, and out of fear, they sided, they made alliances with the godless, with murderers and adulterers, and God left them to their own destruction. He abandoned them. What is way worse than getting Hillary as president is for Christian leaders to make alliances with mass murderers. Okay, Greg Coco. Now, what about Bob? He, he's 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 sticking by this this principle. Uh, what? How do you respond to Bob and, and those in the camp that would say, "Hey, even Dobson's alluded to maybe splitting the party yeah. when it comes to this"? How would well, you respond? Well, let me let me respond first to the analysis. Situational ethics is actually an objectivist system by jo- an absolutist system advanced by Joseph Fletcher. So that's a misapplication of the concept of situational ethics. It's also not moral. Relevant. Relativism. I wrote a book on moral relativism, and I know what that is. I'm very clear on it. I have a master's degree in philosophy. This is not moral relativism. It's called graded absolutism. It's the idea that you have objective obligations in circumstances, and in every circumstance you have to ask yourself, what is the best way to keep my objective obligation? Now, my obligation is to try to save as many lives as possible. If I were in Hitler's Germany and I could do something cooperating with the government, as some did, by the way, that could save lives rather than doing nothing and lose lives, then I'm not making an alliance with the godless or an alliance with the devil or anything like that. I am acting in a way that's morally responsible. Stop the tape. Stop the tape. So obfuscation, when it comes to moral issues, is very easy to do. If you are interacting with wicked people who are trying to kill the innocent, there are a tremendous number of things that you can do, virtually an infinite number of tactics and opportunities you can take to try to save one person or all of the potential victims. But what you cannot do is do evil that good might come of it. It's very easy to gloss over that as though that is a non-issue when it is in the book of Romans. Do not do evil that good may come of it. So Schindler, Corey Tenboom, in this country, Harriet Tubman, to the extent that we interact with the wicked who are trying to kill the innocent, there's a tremendous breadth 
of possibilities of things we can do to try to save people, but we can't do evil. Think of it as the cross, the vertical beam and the horizontal beam of the cross. The vertical beam, think of as God's morality. The horizontal beam, think of that as the freedom that God gives us to use tactics and strategies, our own creativity. And so there's a tremendously wide set of options and opportunities, things we could do, as long as we're not violating the very narrow moral standard that God has revealed, which he commands us not to violate. So you don't have to make a calculation. If you were calculating, well, I'm going to help the Nazis a bit because really the Marxists are worse. The Marxists, they end up killing 20 million civilians. The Nazis killed less than half of that. So I've decided in some way I'm going to work with the Nazis and support them because they're the lesser of two evils or they're the better of two goods. There's no bottom to that abyss. Godless or an alliance with the devil or anything like that, I am acting in a way that's morally responsible that ends up with more living human beings than I had before. Hey, and when Greg, I do in that, Germ- I'm not fighting. Let me finish the thought, and then I'll let you in, Bob. Yeah. When I do that, I'm not fighting God or I'm not dishonoring God. I'm actually protecting human life, which is one of the commandments. All right. In- okay. We've got to take a break. You want to ask him a follow-up question to that? Uh, what about this idea of corroded absolutism or moral relativism? What's your take on this? i got two heavyweights in the house today on Truth Talk Live, duking it out. 866-34-TRUTH is the number. Truth Talk Live. Truth Talk Live. I'm Stu Epperson. The debate is raging all over the country among conservatives. Do they start a third party? Do they stay with with the party, if the party ends up nominating uh, someone who is pro-abortion like Rudy Giuliani with us to talk about that today. And in in the form of a discussion, a debate, our two uh, gentlemen, both talk show hosts, both who've written and are well-read, Greg Kokel of Standard Reason, Bob Inyart of uh, KGov.com, a talk show host in, in Denver, Colorado. And this show, I believe, is being played in Denver, Colorado right now. Is that right, Bob Inyart? Yes, Stu. We are on the air in Denver. Okay, um, Bob, you wanted to, Greg brought up an issue and, and took offense to your, uh, you know, using that catchphrase, situational ethics. Yeah, so I'd like to follow up. Of course, it is moral relativism and legal positivism to say that Christians should support mass murderers in the right conditions. Romans 3.8, Paul mentions doing evil that good may come of it. And he considered that slander, and Greg and many other Christians have turned that into an actual strategy. In the Gospels, there was a political party that advocated Herod. They were called the Herodians. Herod was personally sexually immoral, and he was a murderer. He would murder the innocent, and the Herodians believed that supporting the Herodian dynasty was the best way, pragmatically, to achieve God's kingdom on earth. They were religious leaders who supported murderous rulers. And the New Testament, Jesus Christ, condemns 
the Herodians. Okay, let's let Greg respond and tell us how that's that's not maybe a great comparison. Go ahead, Greg. Okay, okay there's a lot to go on here, but <clears throat> let me give you some bulleted responses, and I'd be glad to hear what Bob has to say. First of all, Rudy Giuliani is not a mass murderer. He is not in office now. He has never done mass murder. He is not guilty of mass murder, so it's not fair to call him a mass murderer. Stop the tape. That- Stop the tape. That is if the intentional killing of an unborn child is not murder. And wildly, so many conservative Christians have said it's murder, and then they go on to defend their guy who supports murder. So it is murder or it's not. God said do not kill the innocent at American Right to Life's website, the article on the Bible and abortion. You can find it, AmericanRTL.org slash Bible. The scriptures are quoted clearly showing that killing a baby in the womb is a capital crime because God forbids the intentional killing of a human being that is someone created in his image, in his likeness. That happens at the moment of conception. In the womb, God knows the child. John the Baptist leapt for joy in his mother's womb. It is dehumanizing for Greg Kokel, who's a Christian leader, to argue that it is not murder if you advocate killing an entire class of human beings. Not in office now. He has never done mass murder. He is not guilty of mass murder, so it's not fair to call him a mass murderer. Secondly, legal positivism is a term also being misused here. Legal positivism is the view that law gets its force from simply positing it, um, and therefore all that is a relativistic view, but it isn't what we're talking about here. Because Stop talking- the tape. Stop the tape. Sorry for interrupting so often. But legal positivism... For example, with abortion, when the government says that you can kill an unborn child, then a legal positivist would say, well, it can't be murder to advocate killing an unborn child because it's legal. It's legal, so therefore it cannot be murder. That is a textbook example of legal positivism. So just because someone says I'm not a racist doesn't mean they're not. I'm not a socialist doesn't mean they're not. I'm not a legal positivist doesn't mean they're not. I'm not a moral relativist doesn't mean they're not. And therefore, all that is a relativistic view, but it isn't what we're talking about here, because I'm talking not about relativism, in which uh, the, the rightness or wrongness of an act is simply up to the individual, that's what relativism is, but rather moral objectivism, where we have an obligation um, not to, uh, to protect human life, and therefore we have to look at the circumstances to find out which, uh, which response from us as voters is going to save the most human lives. That's the circumstance here. There's no resemblance to what Herod did or the Herodians were doing. Rather, it's more like uh, Oscar Schindler, and many people have seen the movie, and they realize that though he was working for the Nazis, he was trying to act in such a way as to save as many lives as he could Absolutely. under the circumstances. And yes. so as a result, he should not be pilloried, nor anyone like him, for saving lives in a morally acceptable way. And, All right. hey, Greg. Uh, and not just going a party line that isn't going to really do anything in the long run. Okay, All right. Bob, Bob, would you call Oscar Schindler a mass murderer because he was still a part of the Nazi party, even though he was trying to affect positive 
uh, is, is saving of lives. Respond to Greg. Please. No, you could honorably be part of the underground. In fact, that's the honorable place to be. But who are you going to support? The one guy who wants to go and kill all the kids in a school or the one who says, I'm going to kill just 10? If you support either of those, you are guilty of the corporate bloodshed because you're supporting someone. Rudy Giuliani has been a governing official. He has advocated and supported the killing of children using the authority of the government to protect child killing. It is absurd to say that he is not a mass murderer. In fact, Hillary Clinton is more pro-life by the national right to life standard than Julie because she was opposing partial birth abortion while Rudy Giuliani was even supporting partial birth abortion. Stop the tape. Stop the tape. I have to clarify that statement about Hillary Clinton, which I did back in 2007, but also the mention of Schindler's List, the film. Schindler was a hero when we've gone to Jerusalem to Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum there. They have the Avenue of the Righteous, the Gentiles who saved Jews. And Oscar Schindler, of course, there's a tree planted there for him. When Steven Spielberg made that film, he included in that film a pornography scene. It is completely irresponsible. On Bob and Yurt Live, you will never hear us affirm what a great movie without warning people. It is not acceptable for children. It's not acceptable for adults to watch movies that have pornography in them. There is a service called VidAngel where you could stream a film and it will filter out the nudity, profanity, and blasphemy, and so on. So that is a great service. Now, I need to clarify what I told Greg Kokel about Hillary Clinton. I unintentionally exaggerated. I'll tell you why. But when I stated that Hillary supported the partial birth abortion ban, I was taking that... I unintentionally overstated the case. The years of the Clinton administration's public position on the partial birth abortion ban, I was conflating the Clinton administration position with Hillary's position. Now, when Columbine happened, Bill and Hillary Clinton came to Littleton, Colorado, just down the road from our studio here at Bob and Yurt Live, and they spoke to parents. One of the parents, Brian Orba, said this in a group. I think there were five of them speaking with Bill and Hillary Clinton. And with incredible courage, he said, Mr. President, when you vetoed the partial birth abortion ban, you became responsible for murder far more violent than what happened to our children. That's stunning that he would say that. And Bill Clinton replied with Hillary at his side, and we told this story on the air back then, that he would have signed the bill. He was against partial birth abortion. He would have signed it, but it didn't have an exception for the life of the mother. That was the position of the Clinton administration. And so I presume that was Hillary's position also, they would advertise, you get a two-for-one deal in the White House, you vote for Bill, you get Hillary. And so right after we did that show, I put this clarification, not only on our website, kgov.com, 
but also on Stu Epperson's blog and the thread discussion of this program with Greg Kokel. Now, if you notice, when Christians, like Greg Kokel, supported regulating the killing of innocent children, what they did, it's immoral to regulate the killing of children. And they'll say, oh, but it's already legal to kill children. You don't regulate the gassing of Jews in Mathausen. You don't regulate how you behead children in ISIS. You don't regulate how you lynch blacks in America. You oppose crime. You don't regulate it. But it's Christian regulators who are moral relativists and legal positivists who then provide cover for people like Bill Clinton, who more than a million Christians undoubtedly voted for him, even ones who said they were against abortion, because Christian moral relativists provide cover because they blurred the distinctions between murder and saving the innocent. Partial birth abortion, while Rudy Giuliani was even supporting partial birth abortion. And you know what? The Herodians, they were the pragmatic politicians of their day. They thought, you know what? The Romans, they'd kill a lot more of us unless we had somebody like Herod. Okay, he kills John the Baptist. He has incest with his brother's wife. But come on, pragmatically, he is the best. Think of the bad that will happen to us if we don't have Herod. And that is the kind of compromise that comes when we think that we could set aside biblical principles and do what is politically pragmatic. Okay, Greg Schokel. Okay, well, the, the biblical principles are to, are to save lives and keep lives from being harmed. The biblical principle isn't that we cast a vote that is pro-life. No biblical requirement like that exists. Rather, the requirement is to do the most that we can to save lives. Um, when you asked me the question, um, if I were in a position to uh, vote for somebody who would kill 100 people or only 10, if those were my only two practical choices, I am morally bound to support the person that kills the fewer people. Stop the tape. Stop the tape. And this happened in Colorado. We went to the chairman of the state Republican Party and laid that out between the Nazis and the Marxists. And he said, well, if I was alive back then, I would have supported Adolf Hitler. There's no bottom to that abyss. There is no way to calculate the eternal consequences of a single Christian's decision to support evil. There's no way. And he says, well, I, I'm doing this. That good might come of it. It is so easy to justify your lust to defeat your political opponents. That is a lust like any other lust. We can't make the calculations. That's why God does not ask us to calculate. It's utilitarianism. You know our exhibits to prove that this is wrong, what Greg Kokel is advocating? Exhibit A, the scriptures. Don't do evil, that good may come of it. Exhibit B, the eroding morality of the body of Christ. How's it working out for Greg and the rest of our leaders? Hey, Spotify, thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, kgov.com. Also, please make sure to subscribe to the program. If you've enjoyed this episode, go ahead and tell a friend about us or share the link. We'd really appreciate it. This is Bob Enyart for kgov.com. May God bless you.